0: Another pot of coffee is brewing and I'm not going to be shoving anything in it that could be classed as festive because it's my coffee and I'm a little bit of a purist when it comes to both my morning and afternoon brews. But anyway, we've moved through another 12 months, people are finishing work, many schools are finished for the holidays and I actually have a pile of wrapped presents in my spare room so yay go me for the first time ever I'm organised more than three days before christmas all that means is it's time for the christmas week episode of not before coffee i'm your host ray self-confessed bookworm film addict tv show marathoner hermit long-term depression sufferer and very honest caffeine fiend This week I am truly finding the spirit of Christmas with a film that has snow candy canes flying reindeer and elves yes I'm going to be talking about Disney's 2019 holiday offering Noel Chris Kringle's daughter is full of Christmas spirit but wishes she could do something important like her brother Nick who will take over for their father this Christmas when Nick is about to crumble like a gingerbread cookie From all the pressure, Noelle suggests he take a break and get away. But when he doesn't return, Noelle must find her brother and bring him back in time to save Christmas. The film itself starts with a voiceover from Anna Kendrick, who plays Noelle, telling everyone that Christmas Eve has always been her favourite night of the year. We then see a house bedecked with decorations. She'd wait up all night for Santa to get to her house, And then you find out that Noelle and her brother Nick are actually Santa's children, though they still have to sneak to watch him do his Christmas shtick. Not relevant to the story or anything, but very nice use here of Mickey's head as a tile decoration on the floor of the Kringle household. When she sees Santa, he plays the usual game with her, checking his list and pretending he doesn't know who she is for a moment. And then we get the cliched line of, I see mummy kissing Santa Claus. Must be an American thing because it's not a British one. Mostly because we call him Father Christmas. But of course he's allowed to in this instance as their mummy is his wife. Noelle opens her present and it's a lot of craft stuff. While her brother gets a Santa hat. It appears it's time for him to start his Santa training. So in this mythology it's a family line. The hat doesn't fit of course but Noelle helps him by adjusting it on his head. Just then, the kid's nanny, Polly, arrives and she's played by the ever-awesome Shirley MacLaine. Given that the last time I saw her she was playing the role of Mrs. Robinson in Rumour Has It, this is a tiny bit of a change. She even has pointed elf ears. Noelle wants to know who she's going to be and where she fits in with the family. She wants to help doing something important. So, really, she wants to be Santa, she just doesn't know how to say it. And of course, as the younger child and the daughter, her place is a support for her brother, ensuring that he's ready for his future role. As an adult, Christmas is still Noel's favourite time of year. But as her dad passed away, she now has to help finish her brother's training. and Her brother, Nick, is played by Bill Hader, and she has to get him ready to carry out his Christmas duties. But oh boy, he is so bad at it. We also get to meet her cousin Gabe, played by Billy Eichner. He's very interested in technology and would love to bring the North Pole into the 21st century. That will be important later, so keep that in mind. In her room, Noelle is making another Christmas card... She then pulls a classic Disney princess move and pushes open her bedroom windows and starts to sing a melody, summoning a baby reindeer called Snowcone, who is very clearly CGI but also incredibly adorable. So cute! The North Pole is all about ice skating, present making, sledding and happiness, but there are also nosy journalists around wanting to ensure that Nick is ready for Christmas. It's incredibly clear he really is no good at the role and he doesn't want it. Mrs. Claus is clearly concerned. She tells Noelle that they need to get Nick feeling the Christmas spirit and that's her job. So out comes the big book of Santa and Noelle starts to read it to him even though he tells her he's already read it and listened to the audiobook. Wonder if he has an Audible subscription wonder if that book is on audible noelle is clearly more into this than he is she's already showing that she can see the kids who are naughty and nice though every single one of them seems to want an ipad is there a promo deal with apple here noelle knows that nick isn't getting it at all and she's worried but she's got to keep on trying because that's her responsibility As they're sitting outside a small cafe in the North Pole having a hot chocolate, Nick tells her that he dreams about somewhere warm where he can relax and breathe. She tells him that he should take a break to do all those things, get away for the weekend, the weekend, and then come back in time for Christmas nicely rejuvenated. However, it turns out that Nick takes her at her word. He takes the sleigh and reindeer and while they come back, he doesn't. Noelle tells the town that she mentioned she he should go somewhere to relax for the weekend and everyone is both furious and worried. It's the front page of the newspaper and has sent everyone into a mass panic. Enough so that there is a meeting of the village and its elders. The elder elves, wow, try saying that fast, including Michael Gross, and I loved him as Stephen Keaton and Family Ties have to select a new Santa as they only have six days until Christmas. Of course, in a patrilineal role, the next person in line for the position of Santa is Gabe. And I sense disaster here. Gabe is far too invested in tech and not enough in the spirit of Christmas. Everyone is blaming Noelle for the fact that her brother is gone, when in reality, as an adult, he could have made the decision to go at any point. She is being ostracised by the whole town for something someone else chose to do, purely because she said, oh, why don't you? She didn't say, you have to. The following day, Noelle talks to Polly, who tells her that she needs to clean up her own mess and take responsibility for once. Apparently, despite being the picture of Christmas spirit, she's not very good at actually acting like an adult. So she does a bit of investigating and discovers that Nick has ripped a page out of one of her magazines. And in taking her advice to take a break, he headed to Phoenix, Arizona. Noelle gets the sleigh and the reindeer, and as she's getting ready to leave, Polly catches her. She lets her know that she's heading to get Nick back, as she was told to do. As Polly and Noel are fighting, because Polly is understandably concerned that Noel won't have a clue about how to live in the world outside the North Pole, and also will have no idea about how to get there, Noel responds that it'll all be on Dasher, which sets the reindeer moving. We get a view of some beautiful scenery and some screaming from Polly and Noel, which is kind of understandable, really, and before you know it, they've crash-landed in a market in Phoenix damaging some decorations and definitely trespassing. At the North Pole, Mrs. Claus is talking to Gabe. She wants to find out what he's planning on doing about Christmas without access to the sleigh. He tells her that this is the perfect time to start an online shopping platform and talks about customers. A sign of imminent disaster as far as the wonder of Christmas is concerned, I have no doubt at all. In Arizona... Noel meets Helen, played by Diana Maria Rivas. Helen is all business, clearly someone who loves to work and all her focus is on her job and the market that she manages. She starts to ask Noel and Polly about permits and how they could be arrested for breaking in. She thinks that the whole thing is some kind of Christmas-focused publicity stunt, though I'm not sure what for. Maybe iPads? They get mentioned enough. She's about to read them the riot act when Dan, who works in Petco, comes in and tells everyone that he's doing some amazing trade as everyone is going wild for the reindeer. And it was such an excellent idea of Helen's to get them. Helen is very clearly enamoured of Dan, but she just doesn't know how to say it. Polly tells Noelle that she's going to have to go and look for Nick in the wilds of Phoenix on her own as the reindeer need a minder and never a true word has been spoken where they're concerned you just know that they're going to go over the top with food having been on a restricted diet for their entire lives in order to say fit and healthy being offered so many treats is bound to cause them to lose control in phoenix itself noelle is lost she hears arguments and other things she's unfamiliar with and then grabs a drink from a tray as she's in winter gear and it's incredibly hot It looks like it's a tequila sunrise if the glass and the colour is anything to go by. Yummy, from my perspective. However, she takes a sip and definitely does not like it. She sort of dribbles it out back into the glass. So, yeah, in times of COVID, I don't think anybody would be contemplating even drinking out of that glass. Though, to be honest, who would? Yeah, no one wants backwash. Is this meant to be showing kids that alcohol is bad? That said, it's such a subtle message, I doubt it would actually get anywhere because there's no indication that it's alcohol, though she does say, ooh, that's got a funny taste. Yeah, that's called tequila. All the unfamiliar is making her really nervous and then she sees a Santa standing on the curb. However, he is definitely not her brother. He's wearing shorts and Noel makes sure he is aware that he is a traitor to the uniform and he needs to get some pants on. At a loss, she notices a sign for an investigator called Jake Hapman, played by the very delicious Kingsley Benadire. As she's striking out in this very unfamiliar and scary world, maybe he can help her. Of course, it would likely help if the picture of her brother she showed people wasn't one of him in the full Santa get-up. You know, beard, hat, coat, the lot. Nobody's going to be recognisable in that. She tells him everything about Nick without actually saying that he's Father Christmas. Of course, Jake is a sort of classicish Scrooge when it comes to Christmas, bar humbug, though I don't blame him for turning down the case when Noel tries to pay him with chocolate coins. Though I'd take the coins and eat them, I just wouldn't accept them as currency. Jake needs to borrow a phone, but when he asks Noel, she tells him that she doesn't have one. She then suggests that he borrows a phone and he, being the cynic that he is, though, to be honest, real world and all that, doesn't believe anyone will loan him one. However, she notices someone in the parking lot and just knows that he will help them. She tells Jake that this man is nice and she's proved right because this is a Disney film and being proved wrong would be seriously awkward. After speaking with his ex-wife, Jake tells her that he'll help her to find her brother and takes her pretty useless picture of Nick. Meanwhile, in the North Pole, Gabe is using an algorithm to discover who's naughty or nice. They're standardising Christmas and taking away the magic. At the market, the reindeer are predictably going nuts for all the different foods, They've reached the point where they're actually stealing from the hands of children and adults alike because they have all these new flavours in their vicinity to try. That night, as Polly and Noel are getting ready for bed in the sleigh in the middle of the market, Noel takes a look at the naughty and nice list. In the North Pole, Gabe announces that there are only 2,837 nice children in the entire world as nearly every child fibbed, didn't eat their vegetables, or failed to practice proper dental hygiene, and therefore this classifies them as naughty, at least according to his algorithm. Gabe is letting the position of Santa go to his head, and he's about to ruin Christmas. The townspeople are horrified because this is not what the season is about – He's decided he's going to send out evaluation notices which explain to the children why they are seen to be naughty and encourage them to do better the following year so they get a gift. When Noelle arrives at Jake's the next day, she meets his son Alex. It turns out that Alex actually wants to know more about what his dad does so he encourages him to do some work on Noelle's case even when Jake would rather spend time doing something fun with his son. It's a very strange father-son dynamic there. While Jake is making some calls in his office, Noelle asks Alex about Christmas, which he has mixed feelings on, understandably, the child of divorce. She then helps him to finish his over and undercooked breakfast. Because why would you not do that instead of saying to your dad, seriously, this bacon is going to give me food poisoning. They then all go out to try and find Nick. Their first stop is the homeless shelter, where Noelle meets a young deaf girl called Michelle. Without even realising it, Noelle starts using ASL. It turns out that Michelle just wants her mum to be able to find a job. But then as she's walking away, she reveals that she'd also like an iPad. All this running around has Noelle overheated and freaking out, so she heads to a store with Jake and Alex, and as they're looking around, she shuts herself in a freezer cabinet. A conversation with a woman wearing yoga pants inspires something in Jake and after a bit of looking while Noelle is wandering around the store with Alex, he tells her that he has found Nick. It turns out that he was taking the relax and breathe instructions seriously and has been teaching yoga at a nearby studio. Seriously, he's been gone, what, two, maybe three days and he's found a job? Wow, I wish it were that easy. Did he just walk in and say, hey, never done this before, but I can teach it? Maybe. Jake drives Noelle to the studio and for a millisecond you think that this is going to be a romantic moment when he helps her to apply sunblock, but it's just he's trying to prevent her from going blind, as apparently she has no idea how to apply face cream. She even tries to eat it because it smells good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have to say that "Tis the Season to Be Jolly" sounds incredibly strange on the sitar because that's what's playing as Noel walks into this yoga studio and Nick is teaching a yoga class. Again, he's been gone maybe 3 days. Nick is overjoyed to see Noel and they both end up disturbing the class. He tells her that he likes it in Phoenix, that he likes the weather. In fact, he likes it so much he has no intention of returning to the North Pole. He doesn't want to pretend to be someone he's not and he knows that he's no Santa. Noelle understands that he's feeling the pressure and he's right that she hasn't felt the same pressure that he has for his whole life. She knows that no one expects anything from her. For a moment, it's easy to get annoyed at Noelle because she's turned her brother's frustration and angst into a me-me-me moment. But then the film is called Noelle and ultimately you're meant to feel sorry for her. You can sort of understand both sides here, but ultimately Nick was not very good at being Santa. When Noelle arrives at the market to see the reindeer and catch up with Polly, Jake and Alex are there to see the reindeer, who are going completely insane with all this food. Noelle tells Jake that she and Nick got into an argument, so her mission was a failure. And it turns out that when I started theorising about Jake and his wife, I was right. She moved on and married someone else, and it happened in the last 12 months. I can't imagine that last Christmas was any more of a picnic for Alex than this one will be, unless his mother divorced, met, and married in less than 12 months. That would be an accomplishment, but it's not impossible. Anyway... It turns out that Jake was invited to spend Christmas with his ex-wife and her new husband so that Alex has both parents around. But Jake thinks the whole thing would be super awkward. And it probably would be. But it's all about Alex. Really? Shouldn't it be? I don't know. I'm not the child of divorced parents. And I'm not a divorced parent with children. So I don't really know. I just imagine it would be a little bit awkward, but ultimately the sacrifice is not for him, it's for the child. Anyhow, Noel then promises Alex that he's going to get his wish, though he hasn't told her what it is. Not long after that, the cute little reindeer calf Snow Cone arrives and he has a note around his neck from her mother. After listing a load of Noelle's faults about how this situation is one of her making and so on and so forth, she gets to the nitty-gritty. It turns out that Gabe is destroying Christmas. He wants to deliver the 2,837 gifts to the only good children he's apparently found in the entire world by drone or Amazon Prime. See, I mentioned Audible earlier, now they've mentioned Amazon Prime themselves. Frantic, Noelle heads back to get Nick, but the yoga centre is closed until after Christmas. She then heads back to the market to get Snowcone to help her track him. She disguises the little reindeer as a dog, complete with fake antler headband and everything. so adorable. Turns out that Nick got on a bus to a yoga retreat. When Noelle and Snowcone get there, Nick is in silent meditation with a group of guests. She tells him that he's needed at home, that things are going really wrong at the North Pole, but he doesn't want to listen. He tells Noelle that she's got to leave. Reluctantly, she does, but not until she's made sure he has the letter. She's putting the ball in his court and she just has to hope that he's going to do the right thing. At the market, Noelle is looking up at the Christmas countdown. Just two days left. It's at that moment that Nick arrives. He tells her that he can't be Santa because he doesn't have the twinkle that their dad did. He's not made to be the man they need. Noelle tells him that he can take the place of the market Santa and try his powers out on the children lining up to see the one who has been hired for the job. She agrees that if he doesn't get the spark, she'll leave him alone. He capitulates probably because Noel is incredibly persistent and the promise of her leaving him be is too difficult to resist. I'm sure everybody's come across a person like that, you know, the one who says, go on, please, no, go on, please, no, please, 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 okay, I'll do it. And I imagine that's kind of what he's thinking. It's at this point you know that the ending is going to be a somewhat feminist anti-patriarchy statement without being a massive punch in the face about it. Especially when a young Indian child sits on Nick's lap and Noel translates what he's saying. She is also able to identify the good and bad children and why they are that way. Jake and Alex spend the night before Christmas together. And Alex tells his dad that Noel told him he was going to get his Christmas wish this year and that they would all be spending Christmas together. A little annoyed that Noel interfered, he shows up at the marketplace to talk with her. It's probably not wise that she leaves Nick on his own with the children, but sometimes adults do have to do stuff. So as Noel rushes off to speak with Jake... A young child comes up to ask Nick why Santa wrote him a letter telling him he's not going to be getting any gifts this year. It turns out that Gabe's plan is cruel. He's big business while Noel and Nick's dad was the small indie store that made the effort. Jake is not impressed. Noel tells him that he needs to open up more and he responds that she is the one who is closed off. So she tells him the truth. Everything about her dad and Christmas and Nick and the reindeer. And of course he doesn't believe her because seriously, what sane adult would? Noelle left Nick alone for way too long. The real market Santa shows up and things end badly for her as she's the one that gets arrested. In fact, it gets so bad for her that she's being held for a psych evaluation. Nick then manages to try and make things even worse, by appearing to try and blackmail the police. Yeah, that's going to work so much in her favour. At the North Pole, Gabe is trying to convince everyone that his plans are going to work. Mrs Claus tells him that there are many more nice children than he has found, and everyone doubts that he can actually deliver what he says. He keeps on suggesting that they put a motor on an ice floe and use that to deliver the gifts. Uh Uh-huh, sign of sanity... Not right there. On the local news in Phoenix, there is an item about all the horrible emails that Gabe has sent to the children around the world. And Noelle is watching all of this from the psych ward. The next item shows the scene from Noelle's breakdown at the market. She's alone in an unfamiliar location, and she feels like a failure. At Jake's house, Alex is getting packed up, ready to go home to spend time with his mum and stepdad, when Jake mentions that he knows Alex told Noel what he wanted for Christmas. But it turns out that Alex didn't actually tell her anything at all. And it's at that moment Jake starts to realise perhaps she was telling him something that she believed to be the truth. Polly then shows up at his door. She's definitely settled into the Arizona lifestyle, wearing a cowboy hat and beautifully eccentric clothing. I really love the bright teals and greens in her clothes. They are stunning. She needs him to get Noelle out of the hospital because no matter what, they need to get home. Meanwhile, Noelle is telling a psychiatrist about her life, and she does sound crazy to a rational person who doesn't remember anything about the magic and joy a child feels at christmas luckily for her jake has used his cop connections to get in to see her at the hospital and he's going to help her he is telling her that he doesn't exactly believe anything she told him or anything that polly told him for that matter and then he sees the sleigh flying 11 floors up At that point, the psychiatrist shows up and faints right into Jake's arms at the shock of seeing the sleigh. Understandably, to be honest, I think I would probably do that too. But then I'd be taking the opportunity to faint into his arms. But anyway, this gives Noelle the time to climb out of the window into the sleigh where Nick, Polly and Snowcone are waiting. Joy is not anywhere in the North Pole village. A blue Christmas is the tune of choice from the singing elves and everyone is miserable. Then Nick, Noel and Polly arrive. The mood changes. Nick tells everyone he knows that he let them down. While he was away, he discovered what it means to be Santa and he knows that there is a real Santa at the pole, but it's not him. It's Noel. Apparently, Santa's not a girl. Which starts a whole other row which we don't need to get into. At this point, the head elf, again, Michael Gross, stands up and says that the Christmas covenant that they've all been going by doesn't say anything about a girl not being able to be Santa. It's just a tradition that they've been following blindly without question because it's never been necessary to think differently. The question is what makes a Santa, not who is the next male in line for the title. It's about the ability to inspire with the Christmas spirit. Then Noelle is asked to inspire everyone and bring on the tears. Legitimately, I cried here when I watched this yesterday. She talks about people doing beautiful, selfless things, wanting to make others happy and suffer less. The presents are a part of Christmas, but it's more about the presents we give, the love and understanding. Classic Christmas schmaltz, enough to make a person cry, And wow, iPads really do get a lot of mentions in this film because after she says presents are a part of Christmas but it's more about the presents we give, the love and understanding, and iPads. We then get a scene of Noelle trying to practice her ho-ho-ho. The suit is huge on her but Polly tells her it will fit her when she fits it. The first place that Noelle stops is Paris, and things at the first house are a bit of a disaster, but they do get smoother. She feels as though she's failed because things aren't easy, but then they're not meant to be. She then lands at the shelter in Arizona, having missed a ton of countries, including Greece, and stopped off at multiple others. You see her flying over the London eye and everything else. It seems to me that London's the only place people seem to think about when it comes to England. There are other places in the UK, you know. Okay, so it's not England, but we have Cardiff, we have Edinburgh, we have Glasgow, and I live in the UK and I'm not in London. Anyway, that's just my gripe about portrayals of the English and the UK in film. She heads into the shelter and as she steps on a toy, everyone starts to wake. She sees Michelle, who signs Merry Christmas Santa, and this is quickly echoed by everyone in the shelter. As she leaves, her suit adjusts to fit her body, something which really she could have done with a lot earlier in her journey, because wearing something that doesn't fit can't have made climbing down chimneys and delivering presents that easy. But there was a point to this, and we know that. She goes to pick up Jake so she can keep her promise to Alex and drops him off at his ex-wife's house. And everyone got their happy Christmas. We then get a glimpse of the following year where Noelle is making improvements in order to make everything go that much more smoothly, including a way to stop attacks from dogs. And it turns out that Nick opened a yoga studio in the North Pole. But I thought he liked the heat, so does he spend six months? Anyway, as the credits start to roll, we get to see the thank you cards from the people whose lives she touched when she was in Arizona, which is a really cute touch, though I would like to see if snow cone grew. Or is he just a miniature reindeer? We're headed into the last week of the year. I've been hinting at it, but come the beginning of January, there will be an announcement. Keep an eye out for it. This film is a definite feel-good picture that seems to be desperately trying to glom onto the happy seasonal emotions I get whenever I watch The Santa Claus, which I have already watched twice this year, but less of that. Anyway, it was the first original film uploaded to Disney+, Plus, at least in the US, as it was released on the day that the service launched, November the 12th, 2019. Noel was originally to be a cinematic release called Nicole, however in February 2018 Disney announced that they had decided to make it the first production for their as-yet-unlaunched streaming service. I have to be honest here, I don't think that it would have been a successful cinema release anyway. Not saying it's not good, I just don't think that it has the necessary star quality to make it against films like Knives Out, Frozen 2, Jojo Rabbit and Parasite. Because it's a direct-to-streaming Disney product, there is absolutely no information, seriously nothing at all, available on how much it cost. But I do think that the IndieWire review I talk about a little bit later had something right in the statement about a cinematic release having better CGI. Though it was released exclusively on Disney+, Plus, this didn't stop audiences and critics from having an opinion, because everyone has one, Right. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a score of 54%, which is actually higher than every single Jennifer Aniston film I have recently reviewed. It was actually difficult to find reviews for this, because most are stuck behind a blinking paywall. Yay! I am looking at you here, Chicago Sun-Times and The Telegraph. Seriously, it's called news. Anyway, according to Kate Erbland from IndieWire... Mark Lawrence's holiday themed Santa Claus centric family comedy, Noel, was originally conceived of as a theatrical release for Disney when it was known, somewhat bafflingly, as Nicole, before changing course and debuting on the My- Mouse House's fledgling streaming platform. Presumably, the theatrical version of Noel would have boasted better CGI, a beefier storyline and at least a handful more laughs because the version hitting Disney Plus on its very first day in existence is not at all up to theatrical snuff. Fundamentally good-hearted and with a charming Anna Kendrick on board as the eponymous character Noelle may have a sweet holiday movie buried somewhere in its DNA but the final version meant to tout the depth of the studio's library is certainly not it. Released in the middle of the busiest movie season of the year, Noel is the sort of film destined to be discarded, a cheap holiday tchotchke with no staying power. Let's hope it's not a portent of still more Disney Plus goods to come. Either way, this early effort is entirely deserving of a coal-filled stocking. Ouch. That's a little bit harsh. It's a kid's movie, sort of. I honestly don't think that I would go as far as Miss Herbland because it's not completely forgettable. Sure, there are storylines that feel shoved in with a little bit too much enthusiasm and actually prove unnecessary, like the hinted at romance between market manager Helen and petco store worker Dan and the whole Jake spending Christmas with his ex-wife and her new husband. But then there are bits that had me feeling a holiday glow which I normally don't get. Snow Cone, despite being CGI is absolutely too cute for words, and I know it's predictable, but it's nice to see that finally Noel's Christmas spirit isn't being overlooked, so it's no the Santa Claus or Arthur Christmas, both of which remain firmly at the top of my Christmas watch list. but it is a nice way to while away an hour and forty minutes. I don't consider them to be wasted. It did make me cry tears of real holiday emotion after all. So it's time for the question and answer section, which I know you absolutely love, right? I'm sure you'd tell me if you didn't. Did I enjoy it? This is an okay film. It has its place on the festive roster, but it's not something I would be rearranging my calendar to watch if it were on normal TV. I don't think that I would have gone to see it at the cinema In fact, the only film I went and saw at that particular time was Knives Out, which I'd already seen during the preview days a month earlier, but then anyone who knows me will already be nodding and saying, yeah, that figures. It's not the most amazing Christmas film. It has some cheer in it. The singers are annoying. Cousin Gabe was a tick-box villain of the piece in that he wasn't really even a villain, And it does honestly feel as though many of the characteristics they use for Noelle's character were borrowed from Giselle in Enchanted, right down to her looks of wonder and innocence when she arrives in Phoenix and the song she sings to Summon Snowcone. Would I watch it again? This is actually the second time I've seen Noelle. I watched it when it was made available on Disney Plus in the UK last November, but I remember very little when I watched it this time. To be honest, though, that does make it a little easier to enjoy. I know that much of it was probably played for laughs, especially with the cast containing people like Billy Eichner and Bill Hader. However, it felt less like a comedy and more like a film for the season that had a few plots that ran in parallel, the usual unnecessary plot points that could have been left out altogether, and a likeable lead who could have done with a better script. Which is quite sad when you consider that Mark Lawrence was responsible for writing Miss Congeniality and Music and Lyrics, which is one of the few Hugh Grant films I actually like. Anna Kendrick was her usual nice girl self. She was a mashup of Rapunzel entangled, Giselle in Enchanted, and Sleeping Beauty, in the film of the same name, obviously. I have to be honest, I was relieved that they didn't turn it into a potential romance between Jake and Noel, because that would have taken away from the heartwarming Christmas tale they were trying to tell. All of that said, I'm not sure what sort of message they were giving out. Maybe there wasn't one, though it did feel as though the whole thing was very iPad heavy. So, how are things in the coffee household this week? I'm incredibly busy, but then I know that I'm not alone in that, especially at this time of year. I have managed to get all my presents wrapped, part of my pre Christmas baking prep is done and in the freezer, and I'm actually feeling organised. Sleep has not been my friend, though, as I've been finding myself waking up at some point between three and four every single morning. Seriously. Of course, being me, I couldn't let this lie. It was becoming a very repetitive pattern. So I did some research and anyone out there experiencing this do some reading about menopause symptoms. It doesn't rain, but it pours. Bad skin, weight gain, insomnia, headaches. Yay, so much to look forward to for the next few years. All of these things are having a bit of an impact on my mental health, though I wish I could pinpoint the one that is making it very difficult to focus on the everyday. I love my job, but the last few weeks my focus has been horrendous and I'm suffering really badly when it comes to imposter syndrome. My manager says that I'm doing well, but there is this little voice at the back of my head constantly saying, you should be doing better and you need to be more careful you could lose your job. And it feels as though it's just endless. I honestly believe that I am my own worst enemy when it comes to a lot of things and this is no different. I just need to take that much-needed and hard-earned break between Christmas and the new year and attack things head-on when everything starts up again on January the 4th. In the meantime, I have to figure out a way to shut that part of my brain off. I have spoken to so many people who feel the same way as me, who have perpetual issues with their own self-image. Christmas highlights that especially when you spend a lot more time with people for a few short days, as I am about to do. Don't get me wrong, I love my family, I I really do, but they have a way of making me feel insignificant and ineffectual, as well as broken. I last saw them en masse in mid-September, during which time there was much discussion about my recent neurotypical diagnosis, which I have mentioned here previously, and it was treated almost like a joke. I know that in some ways they don't mean it, but sometimes it's really hard to explain how these conversations make me feel. At the best of times, I struggle to get my point across when I'm with them. But this time, I just sort of laughed awkwardly with them because I didn't know what else to do, even though it wasn't funny. Anyway, this is my last episode before Christmas, so I'm going to take the opportunity to lift the mood just a little bit and wish you the best for whatever holiday you are or have celebrated over the last few months. So that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed the listen, and I'll be back next week for more, though probably not on the Monday. If you like what you hear, why not share it with your friends and family, and please post a star rating on Good Pods Spotify, yay, they finally caught up, or Pod Chaser. You can follow me on Twitter at need underscore three underscore mugs, and on Instagram at Not Before Coffee Podcast. You can also find my posts and the episodes archive on my website at https://notbeforecoffee.co.uk. Yes, you heard that right. There's no www in that address. Well, I need another cup of coffee, as I definitely haven't had enough, so I'm going to go and put the kettle on. Until next time, this is me saying farewell.